in this episode, we hear from Seacroft Local Care Partnership in Leeds, who recognise the significant need to respond to domestic abuse and violence, particularly as a result of COVID-19. But why a focus on domestic abuse? Police reported receiving a call every 30 seconds during the first seven weeks of lockdown in 2020. The National Domestic Abuse Helpline reported a 49% increase of calls to that line, and Refuge reported a 120% increase in calls. In the Killingbeck and Seacroft ward of Leeds, between November 2018 and October 2019, West Yorkshire Police reported 87% of calls were domestic related. The Boggart Hill area of Seacroft is ranked fourth highest in domestic violence occurrences in the city. The average cost per domestic abuse victim is just over £34,000. And the cost of physical and emotional harm accounts to £47 billion and productivity loss is £14 billion. Some pretty stark figures there. In their aim of making stuff better, the Local Care Partnership delivered a coordinated partnership response for the benefit of local people, which started with a month of awareness raising and taking action and continuing that into the following months. My name is Graham Hyde, and this is the Making Stuff Better podcast. So joining me today for this conversation, we have three people. Um, we've got George Winder, a GP at Oakwood Lane Medical Practice. We've got Chris Jackson from the LS14 Trust, and Amanda Bradley, who is the cluster lead from Leeds City Council in the Seacroft and Manston area. So... I was going to go for Chris first. So, Chris, could you tell us a little bit about what what is it like in Seacroft? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great area to work in. And over the years, we've built some really fantastic relationships, um, particularly during the pandemic. We saw that real neighbourliness that came through in the community and that want and need to support each other and to help each other through those difficult times. Um, and hopefully that's continuing now as we, we, we transition out. Um, we also know there are difficulties, um, like, like every area. Um, the, the demographic being um, mainly white British, we work particularly with a, with a lot of families, but we also know there's a lot of single occupancy households in, in Seacroft as well. Um, and I suppose um, it's not massively um, multi-ethnic as an area. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that I've noticed is that, that people, um, people know each other. So, you know, there's a real sense of community and people know who each other are. And we have people coming into our space and places across the community, um, you know, and like I say, who are willing to try and support each other and help each other. Um, and it's uh, mostly um, a mixture of working people and, and some people, obviously, um, with support of the welfare system. OK, thank you. So this this conversation is centered around some work that you guys did around domestic abuse um, particularly as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic so so my question um, to you guys is how did you know that there was a problem in your area around domestic abuse so maybe bring George in on that one 
Thanks, Graham. Yeah, I think it's a good question. And um, thinking back, I guess a moment of clarity came fairly early on in the in the pandemic when um, we were trying to work out as a partnership how we responded to the new challenges and what those challenges might be. And one of the uh, we, we have a group who meet, meet together, a design team of people who have a good kind of cross representation from from across the area. And one of the um, elected officials, Canton Jenkins, says, do you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing more domestic abuse, more coming to me. And I just literally finished a clinic that morning and said, that's interesting. I've seen two people this morning with that in some really difficult circumstances where, for example, a, a long distance lorry driver had not been able to work for a couple of weeks, had a, an alcohol problem. And, uh, you, you know, I think issues had arisen in the house um, as a result of those increased pressures. And um, it, it spurred us to find out more and to understand a little bit more about whether this was something particular to us or uh, an issue with the pandemic. And certainly by then looking for some data, we understood that um, Boggart Hill, an area within um, Seacroft, has the fourth highest um, rates of domestic abuse across the city. Um, police were reporting a call every 30 seconds about domestic violence during the first seven weeks in lockdown. So it was not just a, a local issue, it was, it was a national issue and certainly something we all felt a real strong um, need to see what we could do collectively to address. Thank you. So so you were basically seeing people and those those connections with the people and, and Chris mentioned the strong community, you were actually seeing the evidence in your in your particular surgery that this was becoming a an increased challenge as a result of the pandemic absolutely as as i said it it, it took a conversation between us for us a couple of things well, actually hang on a minute this this might be there someone raised it and then thought mm. it might be there and, and one of the other interesting things is talking to other members of that group and that conversation they they initially felt that domestic abuse they tended to work with an older adult population mm-hmm. and they felt that perhaps domestic abuse wasn't something that they typically saw much of but as the pandemic grew we also became aware of the increased um, issues um, and care strain that was apparent within um, within the home environments because of the confined nature of people's homes but also lack of access to you know day services other services that people typically had so there's a real interesting evolution of of what statutory organizations felt their experience of domestic abuse was and what what was happening and i think one of the outcomes that we had was that that that, that was there was an increase in understanding and um uh education around staff in terms of the different ways in which domestic abuse um occurs and different types of abuse thank you so and i just wanted to to bring amanda in so from your perspective around um I suppose children and young people did you were you starting to see anything as well yeah what we were seeing was quite a lot more um, an increase in domestic violence um, notifications from the police coming through to us um, we were also doing a lot of the welfare checks at the time for the schools so we were we were doing them knock door knockings to check on families so we're having families were having conversations so we just saw the pressures I ca- I came into the local partnership um, local care partnership group later on so 
being invited as, um, as another partner to come in and support really because what we were seeing as well was the impact it was having on children and people so we wanted to ensure we had we knew what they were feeling and what how it impacted on their lives as well but we were definitely seeing the increase okay so so what did you do so i'm i'm getting the sense that there's different people and different organizations are hearing the same theme how did you come together and what did you do and i suppose that's a question for for anyone i'm happy to take again so um we i guess we we acknowledged there was a significant need to respond um and i guess in a, in a certain way in a, quite a timely way really sometimes it can take a long time to to mobilize change and um, we think there was a lot of change obviously happening other things we broadly felt broadly split the plan into kind of four parts so something around training and education as i discussed before i think certain areas of the statutory bodies felt this wasn't something that they were likely to see but we kind of thought perhaps that wasn't the case and so some education there was important definitely as as everything we're trying to do as a partnership was around community engagement understanding more about the perspectives of people and how we could work together um, we wanted to work as a group of partnerships so make sure that we were um, bringing all partners in who were um, likely or to be able to support this and then developed a, a kind of a bit of a I guess a communication strategy through social media because we felt that was the, the, the you know greatest opportunity to spread information as fast and as, as broadly as we could so I think um, we, whilst it was the early pandemic, by this point we were reaching the um, the white ribbon. Um, I'm trying to think, of it, you know, the, the uh, annual campaign that we're having um, each November to help draw focus around the issues of domestic abuse, and we felt that by utilising that as a as a, a point at which we could focus towards, and we decided to do that. So certainly around that. Um, taking action there we, we focus it around from there and then off things went okay and so how did you use the Seacroft local care partnership to I don't know corral everybody around this particular issue did you just come to a meeting and go hey we've got a, we've we've noticed a challenge here and then somebody else in the in the room said yes we've got a challenge too how did the how did the partnership working in Seacroft enable this, you know, this four-part plan to, to get off the ground? I think everybody was seeing a very similar pattern. So from that, it was enabling us, it enabled us to say what we were actually seeing and what could we do about it. So it was then brought people in to say, what else can we add to the plan to be able to support the families, children and people in Seacroft Manston. So um, as George said, he went around the White Ribbon campaign, but we did a lot of training with staff, school staff and other agencies at the time. Um, and we were also looking at which other partnerships we could build on to be able to support the work going moving forward. Yeah, I think, Graham, to just give you a bit of a, a concrete example. So I suppose, um, as, as Amanda and, and George mentioned, bringing all those different 
organization together was was really powerful and on one particular piece of work where um we decided that it would it would be good to create some materials that would be used um it not only in schools but but across uh the community settings as well with with, with parents and with some of the young people that we're working with um and i suppose what i found really fascinating was working with experts in dv and um trying to put something together which we felt would be appropriate and engaging for our target audience so we, we looked at the idea specific specifically around sort of toxic masculinity in the area which, which we'd seen and heard about and and seen as a visual problem in the area as well i remember uh, one of the people that we worked with once describing some of the behaviors on a specific street and, and saying the problem is with this it's been normalized on my street people just see it as normal now and i think as a, in response to that we, we we worked with um a theater and filmmaking organization and um we tried to represent uh in, in a way i suppose some of those negative relationships that that, that were happening and, and and again working with um, people who are really experts in this and, and listing some of the specific language ar around that, that, that's used um, in terms of like love bombing and lots of things that were, that were new to me um, was, was really fascinating. And then we were able to um, work with professionals to pull together something which we felt was quite powerful, but then bring it back to the group and, and tweak it and change it. So it really did appeal to, um, it, was a, it was a place based, if you like, um, response to this so you could see how people might react to it in the area and then we had that ability to be able to um, show professionals that we're working with but also to be able to go and work with smaller groups and youth groups in the community and get their feedback from from youth workers from teachers from young people about what kind of impact it might have and we're still in the process actually of of now launching that um, with, with the next round with next white ribbon campaign and, and seeing how that goes in September and October. I think part of that as well, Graham, was that we were having from the schools and the teaching teachers at schools saying that they were seeing behaviours in the playground that was already worrying them about that male toxic toxicity, about being able to say how they were, the power was already being shown in playgrounds. So we were hoping by putting the information into schools and the workshops with the video, we was able to support the work they were doing in schools as well. That's where that local care partnership, I think, is it works really well because yeah. in, in what we've just articulated between the three of us, we've got the sort of the stats and the data and the real life experiences of dealing with this problem. And we've got obviously from the, the schools being such a big part of the community as well. And then that ability to be able to see that across different community organisations, across the geography of the area. Um, so that that collaboration came together quite quickly. I think that's obviously one of the strong points of working with, with the LCP. And I get the sense that you, as an area, as a partnership, you already had those really close relationships between community and statutory organisations and a link into the, yeah, into the community, into the people. So, so you weren't, it wasn't a standing still start. You already had that in place that you could then build on. So, so you, yeah, so I suppose you, you've already said about quickly mobilising. So that feels like a lot of the setup work was already done in those relationships. So, so what, how do you know 
how do you know that you've made stuff better? How do you know what the impact of this work is on the people of Seacroft? I think um, trying to measure outcomes, especially in things to where there was a certain um, amount of necessity in getting it, getting it done, getting it done well in a way, um, is often difficult, and especially when they're broader, I guess, social outcomes that might not be immediately apparent. That said, I think we can really, you know, look back with a massive amount of pride about what has and is evident to us. We know that. Um, from a staff perspective, um, as we talked about, one of the outcomes we were looking at at the beginning was getting staff more confident and aware of the different types of domestic abuse and how that may affect people, because um, that came out of those initial conversations. And certainly from the workshops and other things we've done, we've, we can objectively say that staff are much more um, confident in identifying, for example, coercive control. There's a significant increase in people's understanding and identification of coercive control. Um, we uh, have a really effective, and I'll, I'll let Amanda, I think, probably talk more about the, the impact it's had in the, um, the Riot Act um, uh, programme that's been run in schools to the degree that we're, we're, we're rolling that out much more. We've got community ambassadors working within the community. So we have to have some presumption that those things are going to make things better for people. Mm -hmm. But I think we're fairly confident that they will. Um, and everything we've done, um, whilst we can't measure it, certainly certainly feels that it's 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 good and it's done with so much passion and so much energy, and it's continuing. And that's one of the other things that we wanted this to be is um, not a small piece of isolated work. Yeah. And one of the things that we're trying to continue to challenge ourselves is is to say, or certainly, how can we make sure this is sustainable? This can't just be a single you know, episode or project. This has got to be part, this has got to be ground into what we do constantly as part of the LCP. So I think that there is some success in that and that it continues as Amanda's saying. So we see that this is a point to build on. Um, so yeah. I, sorry, Graham, I was just going to say, I, I would say we're able to have them, most, them open and honest conversation with families now. The staff are more confident like George was saying, to be able to have them so families know who they can go to, who they can speak to. And we're hoping as we roll out the videos and the workshops within schools, I will give more open and honest conversations for young people to have with people as well and staff within schools, which again will break down any of the barriers the families have about they can't talk to people. So we're giving them the opportunity now to be able to speak to people confidentially if needed or get that support in place yeah i'd, I'd echo that as well from from our staff point of view you know, our, our staff we're talking about across the wider collective and seacroft as well you know you, you we can't help people necessarily stop some of these things that happen what we can do is enable our staff to be the best prepared they can be, the most confident they can be to deal with these situations, whether it be something to do with DV or whether it's something to do with the energy crisis or something to do with the health inequalities that, you know, the, the best we can do is, is, is all be trained, which is what happened here in the same way. So we're as confident as we can be that we are supporting signposting, you know, the best we can.
Yeah. And do you know what your staff say about this? You know, are they are they reporting that they are feeling more confident and they're having, I don't know, deeper or more or or more valuable conversations with um, families that they come up that they that they talk to. So as an unforeseen consequence of this one particular piece of work, do you see that as um, I suppose a bit more of a culture change across the patch? Yeah, I think the one the one thing that strikes me is what George mentioned about the, the ambassadors, where, where we talked about, um, you know, this is just a tricky thing to do, isn't it, with a, with a tricky topic, is, mm. is being able to um, train local residents to be, who are in spaces and places where they meet other people all the time, and to be able to co be confident in spotting some of the things that George talked about, and coercive control and being able to signpost in the right way, et cetera. I think that's a, that's a huge leap forward. And what surprised me as well, there's so many people. I think um, there was a list that I sent on to Anna of about 20, 25 people who had spoken to who wanted to be involved and they might not, it might not be appropriate for all those people, but that the, certainly the desire was there to be involved in this and and not not on a again not on a sort of being done to basis i sort of but 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 more as a as a as a genuine partnership and i think that's what's come through working with the lcp particularly with, with george and, and rachel that um genuine desire to, to to sort of meet people where they're at and ensure that they have a um you know the that there's some some equity in some of these um in these projects and and, and these relationships yeah and what's your sort of main points of learning from this that you can get you potentially take into other areas of of your work or other areas that the local care partnership might want to look at what are the main pieces of learning I think one of them would be the importance of partnership working there's not working in silo um yeah simple as that really we are if you work in silo we can't get to everybody and it's supporting staff like chris said and supporting families to know there isn't just one area that they can go to there's other people out there yeah i can't echo that enough the reach of this was vast on a, from a relatively small conversation relatively rapidly that is probably one of the things that will hit me home you know bringing together people who are not just perspectives, but abilities and other things. I'm just remembering the people who are putting all the packs together and like, there was so much, there was such a broad reach of, of people from different backgrounds very quickly and bringing lots of different skills. We, that would have never been achieved in traditional working models, just never, or it might have, but over a lot longer. Um, and I think, you know it builds on to that that you know the connection as chris was describing with local people and the community ambassadors and other things you know somebody i think it's about it's only about two weeks ago so his legacy here was telling me about one of the i don't know if they would call themselves community ambassadors but certainly somebody who works in an environment where women go alone and they were able to flag a specific incident of domestic abuse and help and support that person to finding to finding safety that was only a couple of weeks ago because that person now had confidence and ability to do that and I think that's you know that's what I always remember even if it's one person you know it's such an amazing thing and that 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 is a very distant 
person from the, the initial conversation that we were having about what we could be doing just that it's not really wildfire it's just being open and allowing people who really want to help and support it to be able to to come in and share their their you know their gifts and their time and energy as well yeah and how does that make you feel that after you know several months have, have, has passed that as you say that legacy is still there and you're hearing about it how does that make you feel yeah i think i think it's absolutely it, it's amazing and i wish i could be more specific about what it was without wanting to give too much away but yeah we we have said and i've said as, as my role is a commitment to make sure that this isn't a flash in the pan type of thing and we, we do that and i do i think the the culture as you were describing is that you know it's okay to talk about this is that amanda kind of brought up and chris has shared you know across other places and that's you know it's embedding that within the kids and the work that they're getting and that they're, that they're able to do that it's, it's enabling you know the toxic masculinity that chris was talking about in the streets where it's okay to talk about how that's affecting them and and, and having that cross-societal approach to that so that it is culturally you know not that violence is culturally normalized but being able to talk about its effect and how to get people get support is normalized so it's not hidden away which you know as Chris saying it's difficult conversation it is a difficult conversation but we absolutely need to be making it sure you know the, the other things that go on now about talking at bars safe words and bars and all those other things that are starting to come together as well we've got that we've got kind of a Seacroft version of that really emerging and developing and again it, it's this is the beginning not 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 the project this is the beginning of it really and have you shared any of this learning across the city across the you know the wider city yeah i've um, i'm now involved with some work that's going on in middleton now as well um just sharing being able to share some of the practice we're doing or being able to bring in some ideas and that's just one area but there are other conversations manston ward we've been able to have conversations there so it's about sharing good practice as well but I just want to say as well, Graham. One of the things I found is that we're not being—it's not just being reactive. We're not just dealing with what's going on now. We're doing a lot of the preventative work as well that will hopefully support impact in the long term. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And is there anything that you know? Hindsight is a wonderful thing. What what might you have done differently, or you know, even better if? What would we have? thought about for this particular project i think we were discussing this today probably amanda i think with, with with rachel and um it's really sometimes in this kind of work you always think have we you know how far do you go and it's a difficult balance you know how shocking should we be what kind of campaign should we launch and you know the white ribbon raises awareness is it enough is it you know um i don't have an answer to that i'm just i just say i think it's something that's worth reflecting on um particularly when you're working on such a local level um you know highlighting these issues on, on a local level can, can also obviously could be a bit destructive so there's a there's a real balance there between how we promote how how aggressive we are in that if you like um yeah, and I, I honestly don't know the answer, but it's something I, I often reflect on, particularly when we've we've worked on topics like this. Anyone else want to chip in with any even better ifs? 
I was thinking, I was reflecting about um, the almost not the medical first, but certainly GP practices and, and other things and their role in this. And I think that there has been other work and separate work and good things happening, but perhaps that there is an area there we could have we could have looked at. And I guess there were distractions and other things happening and other focuses, but that's certainly something that we I think maybe just having to think about you know we have had a really far reach it has been amazing maybe that happened because we're but maybe having to think about other stakeholders as well in a, in a greater diversity i mean we did get that you know, saying that we've got an amazing diversity and you know we did but i do wonder you know could we could we look at that maybe we should look at that as the next thing you know are there other people that we're not you know just thinking back to those original conversations about the or we don't see you know from, from one of the organizations we don't we don't see much of that i was thinking wow other 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 organizations who who haven't engaged in this work because they don't think that they are somebody who should be interested or you know could support or this is you know affects them so that was i guess that's my only thought that perhaps but again would it change the way we did it probably not just that maybe we should now be thinking about that yeah fair enough and are there any particular next steps for this project or it feels like it it's still there you're still doing awareness you're going to link it into the white ribbon campaign so does it just does it just keep going are there any particular um yeah any particular next steps for this i mean we we, we spoke from a, a sort of um we are Seacroft Sense, which is the, the alliance of these third sector organisations in Seacroft, that with the with the white ribbon this time about really um, supporting with more social media that came from um, uh, from the LCP and last last time. But I think it's something we, we need to support across our collective and, and, and make it a real um, a real big deal. Really, imagine if we had, you know, every primary school and every um secondary school every student wearing a white ribbon for the day and every one of our staff of you know over probably 100 people or so across the area and 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 you know that that those next steps could be could be really interesting could could we could we make it even more high profile um using the resources that we've now got and the expertise and and yeah that would be interesting thank you Okay. Is there anything that I've not asked? Anything else that you want to tell me about this particular project before we wrap up? Can I just say some thanks? And uh, I think she'll know who, Chris, can I call her out by name, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a real driving force in this. And I keep thinking that that's possibly one of the things that we need to consider. Um, what's Anna? You're going to have to edit me out. I'll start again. What's Anna's surname? Mezovic, I think. I think it is. Mezovic. Yeah. yeah. We will be forever indebted to Anna Mezovic, who was a real catalyst and energizer and force of nature for this project. And it got as far as it did because of her. And whilst everyone was important to it, she was very important to it. And I'd just like to thank her and wish her well in everything she does. Thank you. That's really kind. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, which is now available on some really big audio platforms, Spotify, 
the Google Podcast app and the Apple Podcast app. If you like what we're doing here, do like, subscribe and share it across your networks as that would mean a lot to me. So until next time, keep making stuff better and tell people about it.